welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I am Bob Hassan with my co-host, Sean Bowles. Sean, who are we talking to today? You know, I have an old friend, actually my uh, a person who used to work for me, her brother, who just reached out again and we start reconnecting. And I just love their family. They're so quality. And Jonathan Ola graduated college with a degree in accounting. And as he worked for the government as an accountant for a season of time, a little season of time, he decided this was not for him. And God brought him a different opportunity. And he's going to tell us a story of how he went from government accounting yeah. into being an entrepreneur and working for a pretty amazing company and how he is one of the leaders of that company as well as one of the owners of it as well. So it's going to be a really fun journey to talk to him about. And I think he's just such a quality person that when you hear stories of someone's faith with this kind of quality of their investment to God, it just, it, it's like you're blessed by hearing. It's almost like the book of Revelation where it says you're blessed when you read this. You're mm -hmm. blessed by hearing good stories. And Jonathan's story is going to help you see yourself, some of the decisions you're making, some of the things you're thinking about in a new light. I can't wait to hear his story. Jonathan Ola next. The most important book I've ever written is coming out. It's coming out on February 22nd through bowlsministries.com. You can get a copy. It's called Encounter. And this book is going to prepare you for what God's doing now and the upcoming move of God that's imminent, that God's shown me. And I believe this book is going to help people to come into their assignment and the greater works we're called to. You can get the book now. And if you get it, if you pre-order it in this time frame, you're going to get a free e-course. If you pre-order a wholesale cost of three, five, or 10 books, you also are going to get the e-course and a prayer prophetic ministry appointment. We're going to pray for you as a team and believe in God's greatness in you. We need people who've had encounters to be raised up right now and see the greatness of Jesus through their calling. So go to bowlsministries.com and pre-order today. Welcome back. We're with Jonathan Ola. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Yeah. You just came out of uh, an emergency room situation. You probably wouldn't talk to me about it, but you're okay. Yeah, I just spent the night in the in the ER. I got the the wristband to prove it. Um, yeah, I was taking a bath last night, and I'm, I'm big into baths for those who know. Uh, and uh, I, I was having a great relaxing evening, just listening to some worship music. And then I stood up out of the bath, and my head's spinning, and I'm like, oh, I just stood up too fast, and so I kind of like catch myself for a second. And I realized my head's not spinning. The room is spinning around me. Oh, no. Oh. And I'm like, uh-oh, this isn't good. So I, I grab my towel, put my towel on. And I crawl into the into the garage gym. And I open up the garage door. And, like, the cold air hits me. And have you ever had that the sensation when, like, you're standing in front of the wind. And you can, like, lean into the wind. And it keeps you up in the air. Yeah. yeah. The room was spinning so hard left. That I just wanted to tilt my head right it felt like I was countering the force of the spinning. Oh, and I immediately called my best friend, McKenna, and her husband, Jake. And they rushed over. And I'm sitting there talking to them. My eyes are closed. And I start projectile vomiting everywhere. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry. So hours of this. And then they finally take me into the hospital. Um, ended up being the top three uh, most influential nights of my life. Loved it uh, for, for many reasons. <laughs> I love yeah. that you're who you are in your relationship with God, that this moment could turn into an influential yeah. 
Tell us about that. Cause I mean, yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna to go more into your story in a minute, but this is a current story that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's just beautiful because honestly, if, if I'm being truthfully honest, the thing that I fear most is throwing up and not being able to control it and the loss of control. Yeah. And the Lord's been walking me through, through so many stories of the loss of control mm. and being okay, not being in control. And as someone who's a chief operating officer, I thrive where I'm in control. Yeah. Right. It's what I'm paid to do. It, it's part of my skill set. But they say like your greatest weakness is your strength overemphasized. Wow. And so for me, control became an issue. And so here I find myself on the floor with a room spinning so fast and I can't control it. Wow. And I am projectile vomiting on myself and I'm catching glimpses of my friends jumping out of the way <laughs> as vomit is flying by them. And I'm sitting there in between vomit in such a place of peace, asking my friend, do you mind if we just pray? Wow. And she looks at me and she looks at her husband. And she's just like, yes. I said, can we get some music too? Can we get some worship music? And we're sitting in that place and I'm worshiping and then turning and vomiting <laughs> and worshiping. And then they're like, do you know what? They tried to make me do like the touch your nose to your, touch your finger to your nose. Mm -hmm. And I came up and I was somewhere over here and they're like, all right, let's take you to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. And we go to the hospital and I still was just, I, I, I do not like hospitals and I do not like needles. Just another thing I do not like. Yeah. And I'm sitting there at this hospital and I just felt so much peace. Yeah. And I have my eyes closed and I'm sitting in bed and they're drawing blood and they're sticking me with needles and I, I'd hear someone start to leave the room and I would just say like, hey, just so curious, what, what's your name? And they'd say, oh, it's, it's Jacqueline. I'm like, Jacqueline, thank you so much. And to be honest, I don't even really remember doing that until my friend told me the next morning, the way you talk to everybody was so different. They would stop, look at me, look back at you and say, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and then leave the room. And I woke up this morning and I just sat in bed and I just had tears flowing down my face. Wow. And I'm like, if Lord, if that could be my default response, if like in the if in the worst of the worst, you are sitting there and you have like you have solidified mm. a place of joy and hope and peace. And I operate out of that place. So where I'm in and out of meds, I can still catch the person's name. And they're in this crazy ER in the midst of COVID. And you have people screaming down the hall because they've overdosed on drugs. And you stop them and you say, what's your name? Wow. Thank you so much for that blood drop. It was so cool how the anointing, I mean, the presence of God like that, how he sets a new bar for us of who we could be and also a new default sometimes in our operating system. Yeah. So I love that because I, I think the times and the moments that I've had the presence of God visit me, I become a different version of myself. I get to see a glimpse of what I can become, or sometimes I become that in those moments. And a lot of people discount the presence as a feeling of goosebumps or something, or just the presence of God is just maybe a, a momentary thing where you feel euphoria versus it's actually God revealing to you who you can be inside of him. And I just, I love that for you. I just love that experience. Well, let's go into your story. Cause I met you through your sister. Actually, your sister worked for me about 20 years ago and helped run yeah. ministry internships and traveled with me and, love her and her husband and their kids. And she has a big family, just like your parents had a big family, which is really fun. And you were the, were you the youngest of six? 
No, I'm like kind of smack dab in the middle, but I was oh, yeah. when I met you. You were just really yeah, so I just saw you as a little a little kid at the time, and you're no longer a little kid, which is awesome. And we reconnected just a few months ago, and it was really cool to just hear from you and hear what you're doing in the marketplace and how your faith has really impacted that because you were you you have an accounting degree, you were going after being an accountant. And you had uh, what I call a divine interruption or a God interruption, I think. And uh, tell us about that, because I love the story even with your mom and dad and how your dad played a big role in your decision making. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to school for accounting and law. I I almost went to the military. Um, (laughs) And the reason I almost went to the military is like I had such a limiting belief around what my life was possible Mm -hmm. and what my life was actually possible. Um, and so I figured like a guy like myself is best suited for something in the military space. And then maybe they might pay for my college somewhere. And then maybe I might make something of myself. And so that was like the original thought that I had. And, you know, that's a whole nother story for a different time of how you get to that place of thinking that way. But, uh, luckily for me, I I was halfway decent at baseball and a school offered me the chance to play baseball. And that's the only thing that that took me to college. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm just like, college is not for me. It's not for an Ola boy. And so I found myself going to college. I studied accounting. I originally studied criminal justice because I'm just like anyone. I see all the jock football players studying criminal justice. So I know it's easy. <laughs> I know I can get good grades, right? Uh, and I was really sitting in a class one day. Everyone has to take an intro to accounting class. And the professor's passing out the, the test and she stops me and she goes, what's your major? And I was too embarrassed to say criminal justice. No offense to anyone who's majored in criminal justice. But for me, um, at that school, like it wasn't, it wasn't uh, very thought very highly of. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I- I'm currently undecided. And she's like, you need to be an accountant. You're really good at this. And wow. she threw me down my test. She goes, no one does well on my test and you did very well. So go to the office, change your degree to accounting. And I was just like, do you know what? Google search, how much do accountants make? Done. <laughs> Let's do it, you know? And uh, so that started a journey of me studying accounting and law. And I wanted to do, I wanted to practice tax law solely because like, yeah, it looked like they'd make a pretty decent living. That's it. So I graduate and I have this accounting degree and I'm, I'm looking at all the big fir- big four firms and I am not getting in a, uh, a slight interest in any of them. Um, mm. Nobody wants to hire me. And it kind of re- starts reinforcing that idea I have in my mind of like, yeah, you snuck through a small school with this degree, but you don't compare to the Stanford, the Harvard, mm. the Yale guys, right? So that's who they're after. You're just kind of the small fish. And so I finally get my first job in the Parks and Rec Department of the government. Wow. You guys have seen the show? It's very similar to <laughs> <the show. laughs> um, I don't know which character I was exactly, but man, after a few months of being an accountant at the Parks and Rec Department, amazing people. But I realized this is not for me. Wow. Um, and I used to crave my 15-minute bathroom break. And I would mm-hmm. take it as often as I could. Almost thought about taking up cigarettes just to get an extra 15 minutes. <laughs> for health purposes, I shouldn't. Um, and I stuck to just that 15-minute bathroom break every hour. And I'm pretty sure everybody thought I had some form of IBS. So I was going to the bathroom so much. I didn't. It was like my sanctuary. It's where I got to hide and just be be by myself and be like, what am I doing? Is this really the next 35, 40 years? Wow. I remember going to lunch, watching the controller of the government. He is the big fish. He's the big accountant on the block. And every day he would open his newspaper the same way. 
and he'd open his ham sandwich the same way and yeah. he would eat the ham sandwich and turn the newspaper. It was like a movie the mm-hmm. same way every day. And I would sit across him and be like, it's all public record. I know exactly how much he makes. I know exactly what his life entails. Is that really the end game for me? Wow. I just started questioning, like, there's got to be more to life than this. And then on one of my many bathroom breaks, I get a call from a good buddy of mine, Franklin. And uh, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, currently in my bathroom break, enjoying my peace and quiet. <laughs> and uh, he laughed. He's like, are you sure I can call you back? I'm like, oh, no, I'm not actually going to the bathroom. I'm literally <laughs> for time because it's my one, one moment in every hour where I get to be. And he goes, yeah, it's, it, it's time leave your job, come work for me. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, what do you do? <laughs> I do stuff on the internet. And I'm just like, I, I have no idea what any of that means. He goes, right, right, right. And you know what? You're not going to know what it means. But here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an unhappy accountant. Is that you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm just like, check the box. That is me. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, well, hey, let, let me give you a call back tonight. He goes, all right, just let me know soon. I, I want to pull the trigger on. I said, okay, man. And he goes, oh, by the way, I'm going to pay you $10 an hour. And I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big jump. I'm an accountant. I have benefits. Yeah. And, uh, but he said to me too, he said, but if you're good at what you do, money will be no issue. And I'm like, that's enticing. Okay. And so I, I placed a few phone calls. Um, I called two people, my mom and my dad. Mm. My mom Single mom, uh, not single mom. Um, she never worked. Uh, mom of six, uh, but she was she homeschooled us, and so she had plenty of jobs. Just they weren't paid positions. Yeah. Um, and I remember on the phone, she says to me, she says, uh, well, "Honey, you can't do it. The benefits of a government accountant are so great. Your future wife one day is going to thank you for those benefits." When your kids have braces and you get your son needs an ACL repair, like you're going to be craving those benefits. And it sat with me. I'm like, ah, I do remember my mom stressing out sometimes about bills because my dad's insurance wasn't that great. I'm like, all right, mom, you know, thanks for the input. Um, call my dad, tell him the opportunity in front of me. And he goes, go, wow. do it. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. He spent 35 years at the same lumber mill and uh, with a family of six kids, he never had the financial freedom to try anything different. And wow. he worked his way up there and he ended up uh, plant managing the whole place and, and went through a few murders and acquisitions and, and managed that whole process and did a fantastic job, incredible worker, but it's never what he wanted to do. And he never had the freedom to do it because he had, six little mouths staring back at him, a home mortgage. And so he's looking at me, he's just saying, you don't have anything, go out and fail. Do it, you won't regret it. And I said, you know what? Uh, Benefits, I'm out of here, you can keep them. And I am going to work for $10 an hour (laughs) in the marketing e-commerce world and let's see where this thing goes. Wow, Jonathan. So it was a startup, Jonathan, and number one. Number two, your identity, you know, I hear you talking about control, and but I hear this sweet thing that you have with the Lord that you really know that you're a loved son of God. Can you talk about that a little bit to our listeners? Yeah, like the journey of coming to know that. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, that really stems all the way back into college, you know, um, living my life as I thought uh, I wanted to live my life. I remember every night coming home out of college, I would sit there in my bedroom and now like the party music has faded, the crowds have dissipated and you are alone in your college dorm room by yourself. And like the high, the buzz of the night has now worn off. And I would sit there every night in college and just wonder, where are you? And I just talked to God, like, what is this all about? Is this really it? Mm. And it wasn't until post-college I'm sitting in the city and Mike Bickle's given a message at the International House of Prayer. And, uh, and he asked, hey, if anyone wants prayer, come on up. And so I go up there. And there's a bunch of us up there. And Mike kind of like beelines towards me. I've never met the man before. He beelines off the stage, comes right in my face, and just says in my ear, all of those nights you were sitting in college wondering oh. where I was, I was at the foot of your bed. Oh, wow. And I just broke down and just started walking. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm like ugly cry, snot coming out of my yeah. face. I'm on the ground. And he just sat there with me and continued to speak over me. Wow. And continued to speak identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and what you have done, he holds no records of wrong. He's thrown mm-hmm. it as far as the east is from the west. Wow. He to go and sin no more. And so it was from that day forward that I have just been obsessed yeah. with understanding the heart of Jesus. Yeah. The heart of Jesus, when displayed properly, it changes the core of people. Yeah, because you were young and you were, you were, you still are very young, but you were young making these huge choices based on that place of faith. And so you jump into the startup and I just, I could just imagine, um, you know, your mom is an awesome person. I know your parents a little bit and um, your mom's an awesome person. And I get where she was coming from. And your dad was, you know, I get where he was coming from. But ultimately, you made this choice because there was something more inside of you. So kind of take us on the journey of what happened, because now, you know, obviously you went from $10 an hour to actually some ownership in some company, companies, yeah. also your, you know, operating officer, like, tell us about what happened in that transition. Yeah, I mean, I was so naive at the time, I didn't even realize I was getting into a startup. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just getting into a job. And now I look back, I'm like, gosh, I have chose just about the... Yes. Uh, hardest career that you can choose. Yes. One out of five or one out of the five of you is going to succeed and the rest of you are going to fail. The chances of failure here are so high. And I, I didn't realize it at the time. And I'm glad I didn't. Um, and so I dive, I, I, I dove in head first and I started understanding everything there was to know about the business metrics. What moved the business forward? Um, and really like numbers are some of my best friends. Um, mm. I'm better with numbers than I, than I am with people at times, or at least I was to start. Yeah. Um, and I found myself really understanding how the business works. Mm. I remember the, the director of marketing one day calls me up. I had such favor with this man. His name's Patrick Kilcherman. Um, I had such incredible favor. He just really enjoyed me. And he like sought me out and taught me things. So I'm just like, why is this guy teaching? Mm-hmm. This is incredible. It's gold. And he calls me up. He says, Hey, I know you've only been here three months. I'm thinking like, Oh my gosh, I might get a raise up from the $10 an hour. that I <laughs> He goes, uh, I want you to come on and be my number two. Wow. Excuse me. See, I want you to head up all of the retention for marketing. 
Mm-hmm. I'm marketing into two forms, acquisition and retention. I want you to manage everything related to retention. And he goes, before I could say anything, he goes, I know you don't know what you're doing. I'll teach you everything. Wow. And I'm just like, okay, yes. Um, and like, what do I need to do? He's just like, you're just going to work with me closely. I'm going to dedicate four hours a day to every single day. And I'm just going to sit next to you, sit on your computer via screen share, and I'm going to teach you everything I need to know. I oh really need to know about marketing. That's crazy. That yeah. like amazing. And I, at this point, I'm just like, I, I'm happy to do this at $10 an hour because this is, this is like a master's class. This is a master's wow. education in marketing, something I never got from school. Wow. And uh, he goes, all right. I'm just like, I'm so excited that you'd even see me as worthy of a position like this. Mm-hmm. And that was speaking against so many of the things I had told myself that are like, right. you're not worthy of something like this. Yeah. And your identity, he, this God sent this guy. Yeah. To, yeah. And, and so here I am. He goes, the last question I have is that we have to figure out what your salary is going to be. And he pauses. And I'm like, oh, okay. So if I would have made it to the big four, I'm asking for sixty dollars to $70,000 starting. And right now I'm at $10 an hour. That's a <laughs> big jump. And I'm, I'm, I'm processing all this real time just saying like, okay, uh, that's too much. You can't ask for that. And he goes, ah, do you know what? Forget it. Let's just call it an even $120,000. <laughs> and I about fell off the phone. I, I, I was just like, <clears throat> excuse me? You broke yeah. up for a second. <laughs> You went from $10 an hour to 10,000 a month. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is ridiculous. Yes. And then that the, the money was such a blessing and it, like it taught me so much about the beginning of abundance, but man, what was even more incredible is for the next day, every four hours I was with this guy, Yeah. Like, everything he knows. And it was fantastic. It was incredible. Wow. It's so cool. I just love how, how you said yes to God and it led you into that opportunity. And how did that affect? Cause I know that that wasn't, that's not the end of your story. That's not what you're working on now. Right. So how did you jump from that into the now? Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll make this quick because these stories can all be long. Um, so essentially that that company was growing uh, and it was being really successful. And um, I had a big role in that company. I, I was pulling some levers that were going to create an extra $95 million for the company in just mm. a few years. Wow. And so, so much success to be had. There's so much optimization to be had. And then one day he says like, Hey, okay. So uh, he, he's, he's gotten a lot of money at this point. He says, Hey, we are going to build our own headquarters. I want this to be a Google style headquarters. Wow. Slides connecting the floors. And at this point I'm working remotely. Um, and I'm in Kansas city. And I'm just like, and the, the, the company is in Wisconsin. and I don't want to go back to Wisconsin. And so he flies me out there to his office and he says, all right, so here's the new salary I want to offer you, an increase in salary um, to come to Wisconsin and run the marketing team. Mm. And I looked at him and said, like, this is going to sound crazy, but I can't do it. Wow. And he's just like, What? And he kind of paused. He said, he looked me in the face and said, do you know how young you are? I said, yeah. He goes, do you know you can't make this money anywhere else in the world? I'm like, yes, I do. Hmm. And he's like, and you're okay just leaving that? 
I'm like, I am. Wisconsin's not for me. Being in an office right now is not for me. He was like, all right, I'll give you the best severance I can give you, but good luck. Wow. And so I left that company. And uh, I then went and worked for a friend who was a men's designer of the year. I became the, the operations manager for that company. And to be honest, I did not love the way the company was managed. Um, it, was a, it was a really big cluster. And I just had a sense of like, you know, unless you're willing to change X, Y, and Z, I'm not willing to stay here and be a part of this because there's some serious dysfunction that needs to happen, that needs to be fixed. He wasn't willing. And so I said, you know what? It's best if I just part ways. And so here I am like out on the streets. Once again, like looking at the salary I just passed up being like, am I an idiot? (laughs) Is Wisconsin really that bad in the winter that I, that I can't go back home? Um, And then guess who hits me up on the telephone? The one and only Pat Kilcherman, the the old director of marketing from this company is no longer with this company. He has now built and, and uh, established his own businesses. He called me up and says, how are you doing? What are you doing these days? And I said, currently actually unemployed as of today. Wow. And he goes, great. Why don't you pack your car and why don't you move to Michigan? <laughs> and so originally I'm like, no, I don't want to move. I, Wisconsin, it's, it's too far north. I'm moving to the same exact spot, just the other side of Lake Michigan. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, but you know what? For you, yes. I was that. And so I literally, I went home, I packed my car that day, and I started driving to Michigan. Wow. Yep. And I was there within two days, and he sits down with me and just goes, all right, young grasshopper. <laughs> You've learned a lot. Um, it's, now put, it's now time to put it to practice. I'm like, okay. He goes, I want you to launch a business while you're here in 30 days. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, all right. Where do I start? He goes, I want you to use Google as a resource. I want you to find what most people are searching on Google. And I want you to turn that into a business, a business that's automated and a business that's passive. I want you to create a solution to a problem. And I want you to do it through automation. Wow. And I'm like, okay. And literally, I knew no one in Michigan, and he's got a wife and kids. And so I would literally just work all day. And then also, I'd look out the window, I'd see strangers playing frisbee golf. And I, I would go play our ultimate frisbee. I'd go play ultimate frisbee with strangers I'd never met before. And it wasn't even a game, it was just practice. <laughs> I just needed social interaction so badly. I was going practicing frisbee with these guys. Uh, it was incredible. And then, slowly but surely, I landed on a medical condition called plantar fasciitis. I know what that is. Yeah. And at the time I knew nothing about it. And uh, I knew that the search volume seemed relatively high for what the Google um, tools were suggesting how many people were searching monthly. Wow. So I started cracking into Harvard journals, reading about case studies around plantar fasciitis and the benefits between surgery and non-surgical options. And how at the end of all these um, case studies and all these Harvard, Harvard medical journals, they really pushed hard for not a non-surgical approach. They wanted to rehab these things naturally. Yeah. And here's what they recommend for rehab. And there are some difference between programs. And I said, you know what? All right, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm going to create my own program. I'm going to create my own program for plantar fasciitis. 
guide my hands, guide my steps. You've done it thus far. And let's put something out. So I did that. And 30 days later, I launched a business that was creating me uh, a net six-figure income per year in 30 days. <laughs> so and Pat literally looked at me and goes, puts his hand on my shoulder and says, you're done. You may leave. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you just like, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. And now it's on to the next thing for you. And th- this guy's larger than life. He still is to this day. Yeah. Um, and so I got back in my car and I started driving. And every day I had these sales tickers coming into my phone being like, oh my God, it's a new day and people are still buying this thing. <laughs> I'm like, but just wait until the feedback starts coming back. Just wait till I get blown up. on the. Re-. I didn't spend a single dollar for months because I was just convinced that like everyone, their uncle is going to come and refund this thing because it's, it's not going to work for them. What do I know? Who am I? And slowly, slowly, but surely the refund rate was less than a percentage. Oh my gosh. And I, and I offered a, I offered a, a lifetime refund policy because I was just like, so afraid of screwing someone over a 30 day, a 60 day. It just seemed ridiculous. I'm like, I want them to try this for years. And if they don't like it, they can get rid of it. Wow. And so at that point I decided, you know what? I got some time on my hands. I'm moving to California. And I, I had this, uh, this cool word from a, a prophet friend of mine who just was just like, um, telling me about moving to a place where hope springs. Wow. Yeah. In, in my heart, I needed that. And so I decided just to buy a one-way ticket to California. And I was going to be here for about three months. Um, and eight years later, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, I've gone back and gotten the vehicle. And uh, I find myself, you know, the first couple of years I was here, I was just surfing twice a day <laughs> and and being on the beach and just like, trying to figure out, Lord, like, this is amazing, but what's next? And then uh, a good buddy of mine was interviewing for the uh, CEO position of a company out of LA, a health food company. And uh, he decided to take another position. And he said, but hey, before I go, there's a guy that I know who might be a really good fit for you. And just the week prior to that, I was talking to him on the phone. I said, do you know what? This business has been great. It won't last forever. Nothing does. And I want a new stab at something. I want to like cut my teeth on learning the ins and outs of a new business. And uh, I told him, I said, I'm ready to be an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur inside of a business. Hmm. Oh, wow. And uh, he said, all right, that's awesome. I'll keep my ear to the ground. And then a week later, he calls me up and says, hey, I turned down this position, but to be honest, you're the better fit for it. Do you wow. want me to come and set up an arrangement? And I said, sure, let's do it. And so we got on the phone that Friday. I talked to my business partners at the time, or the they weren't business partners at the time. I talked to these business partners. And um, they asked me, okay, what, what do you want to get started? We, we like you. And I'm like, honestly, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, you can pay me 5,000 bucks a month. I don't really care. They're like, great, we'll pay you seven. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> and once again, just like the Lord challenging me, like stop seeing yourself so small. Yeah. Wow. Stop devaluing who you are as a man. Stop devaluing the skill set that you've built. And that, you know, turned into, you know, a few months of contracting. And then also they come to me with um, a large raise 
a, a seat in their C-suite and a portion of the company to stay. Wow. wow that's um, yeah. I'm just like, yes, please. That sounds fantastic. Um, and I've been with those guys now for the last five years and uh, grinding through a, a health food and supplement startup. And it's been, it's been so fun. There's been such wins on the business front, um, but there's been such even greater wins in the dynamic between the souls of the people in the business. Wow. And that's something that I've learned to really grow and adore uh, being a part of is like touching human souls within a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a huge part of it. Man, yeah. we are out of time and I hate that we're out of time, Jonathan, yeah. because this is such a great story and just, I like how you're kind of a poet and how you tell your business story in a way, because mm-hmm. it's, it's very, um, there's something in it that we can all see ourselves in it and see God in it in such a beautiful way. And so thank you for being on. Thank you for saying yes. And thanks for being vulnerable and sharing mm-hmm. this journey. Seriously. You got it. You guys, anytime. Yeah. Love talking to you guys. Cheers. Up next is questions with Sean and Bob. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Welcome back to Questions with Sean and Bob. Sean, we have a great question. Let me read it to you. Okay. When you first started out in your business, Sean and Bob, what was a challenge that you had to overcome and it wouldn't have happened without the Lord? Wow. That's a good question. (laughs) That's a great one. How would you answer it, Bob? I had integrated the Lord into every, everything in my life. Um, I, I didn't know any other way. So uh, I, I wasn't compartmentalized. So when I started my business, I mean, I was in a 1964 Volkswagen bug <laughs> with surf racks. And um, I started painting people's houses. And, and I think the fact that I dedicated uh, my business to the Lord and then... Yeah. And then just put one foot in front of the other and had grit and determination and work ethic... God honored that. And as, as it grew, I had all these different questions that the Lord seemed to answer for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like this really cool partnership where, um, I was doing the work and I was asking the Lord and I was, I, I was wired to hear early in my life, but I didn't know it, Sean, I didn't have yeah. the language for it. And so there was no like burning bush yeah. moment that happened. Yeah. It was just this you know, 45 years of putting one foot in front of the other and being faithful uh, to move forward. 
No, it's really interesting because when I think of the mistakes that I made, um, that God came in and really showed me for me, um, I had a blurry lines between relationships uh, that were friendship and we're ministry and we're business. I want everyone to be on the same team. I'm going to bring everyone with me. Yeah. Kind of like, I guess a sports person brings their whole family and has them manage and do all kinds of stuff. And oftentimes you get in trouble with that. So when I started my first business, I hired a bunch of friends who weren't qualified for the job yeah. that needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And I had to let all of them go one by one, which is really hard because I worked for an investment group that actually was the, the financial power and the real management behind it. And then when I started my first ministry, I hired people who weren't qualified or weren't trained for the positions or it would never really ultimately be gifted for those positions. And so, you know, like I, I worked for a ministry before in Kansas City was easy because the people were all qualified. It was a lot of ministry people, but in moving on and starting some other stuff, it was really hard, you know, like, and I know Bob, at one point you came to us and you said, yeah, you got it. When you're starting out a lot of times, even in a new startup, you're not always hiring people for their talent. You're hiring people for their heart, you know, and, and but you got to go to the place where you can hire more and more qualified people. Yeah. And I think that the mistake many people make is is the wrong hires and hiring people based on your connection or your um, your, your attraction to who they are as a, as a person to help you. And so my biggest mistake would be hiring people for the sake of chemistry, relationship, being known, feeling connection, feeling camaraderie versus yeah. people who are gifted, talented, the ones for that role. And I don't need to have friends do that role. I could have friends be friends. That was really a hard one for me. And I've yeah. had to walk a lot of friends and people out of that one too, who just, yeah. you just get into these battles where you lose on some yeah. because you not only lose the friendship, but you lose in that role and you lose in the organization long-term too. So it's really bad. It's so funny. You know why I came to you and told you that is because I did the same thing. I was mm-hmm. in this charismatic church and you know, when you're a painter, everybody can paint, right? And so <laughs> no. you have the church come and it was the worst. And, yeah. and, and I, later in my career, I made it a, a, you know, I did not hire Christians. If people happen to be qualified <laughs> and were believers, that was great. Yeah. So that's a great answer, Sean. Thank you for all your questions and go to bullsministries.com and press the ask questions with Sean and Bob button. And you can either record or have a written question to us that we'll, that we'll read on Exploring the Marketplace. And thank you for joining us. Sean, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.